Hello, and welcome to the Escape to Autonomy podcast. This is episode 3.5. Yes, that is right. 3.5. Because, well, episode 4 is already recorded, and we have this episode still to release, and I'm an idiot, so it's 3.5, and that's, and Cotton that's doesn't the last shut up. we'll hear of that. Yeah, I mean, the man <laughs> talks, and we've got to let him talk. But yeah. um, I'm your host. I'm Gonzo. I'm here with my co-host, Dan. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome. I'm in the afterglow of an edible, so pretty good. Fucking fantastic, brother. I, I had uh, some pretty interesting edibles. I got some uh, Reese cups and this Nerds bar that was like um, a giant gummy, like filled the palm of your hand. <laughs> yeah. The gummy was encrusted I saw that picture. with fucking Nerds. <laughs> it was like, a, it was the most diabetic high I think I've ever had, but I regret nothing. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So as you know, I've been on this Delta Eight kick lately, and the uh, I had a Delta Eight Fruity Pebbles treat, and it was a 800 milligram treat, and there was I took about a quarter of it, and I'm like, okay, that was a that was a pretty good high. So then the next night, I'm like, I'm gonna see what half does, and take a half of it, and that's I was out of my mind. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend Delta Eight. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's surprisingly potent shit, man. But um yeah. So we had as a podcast, we had a series of unfortunate events occur uh with literally all the hosts. Um <laughs> it was a per- <laughs> yeah. perfect shitstorm of about a week and a half. Um my computer decided to commit suicide. So I had to had to remedy that and completely wipe and all, all all manner of ill shit. My nerd friend that fixes computers tells me he had to do to this fucking thing, but it's back up. It's running. It's working well. Um, <laughs> and we had yeah, to do we, like we, we all have, have full time jobs, and I have a second job. <laughs> Right, it's and, you know, and I have no small amount of children, and, uh, anyways, <laughs> I'm not here to tell you all our, all of our fucking problems. Suffice it to say, there were some testicle difficulties, but we're through it now. And, um, <laughs> we have some pretty bomb-ass content recorded coming down the pipe. Um, we have one more kind of deep thought episode that i really fucking enjoyed recording how about you dan like i feel like we got we got pretty deep in that yeah i uh, i think so too um very kind of in depth a lot more than i normally like to go (laughs) well you know you're on the edge and you're growing as a human when you're slightly uncomfortable so Exactly. You know, there's that. Yeah, man. But anyways, what this we whole have thing for is you out of my normal box. Not that. 
<laughs> we we have the second half of our dissecting ethics episode with Cotton, and you can tell at this point we're all pretty drunk because this this fucking interview went on for every bit of two and a half plus hours. <laughs> And, and, and um, we regularly get drunk with cotton yeah. as it is. Yeah, this this is not new behavior. So, like, <laughs> it was it was great to you know have him on as our first guest. He he really we appreciate cotton taking the time out to you know spend two and a half hours drinking and getting high with the escape to autonomy crew <laughs> but um yeah i hope that you enjoy this i i really enjoyed recording it and um i'm sorry it took so long to get it to you but here it is and uh dan is there any final thoughts before we uh we get back into this no, I think uh, I think I actually had a pretty good time with this one. I think we're pretty hilarious. So it might be a little bit different than we're normal, but that's just the flow. <laughs> are you are you saying we're not funny? We're co- cotton is just easy to bounce stuff off of, and we're easily funnier with cotton. <laughs> Cotton's fucking hilarious. Yes, he's he wrong is. about turtlenecks, but he can't he can't <laughs> be right about everything. <laughs> All right, exactly. so I I hope that you enjoy episode three point five, Cotton Part Two. What is some advice slash guidance you would give to someone with a severe mental illness to thrive in life? And when I say severe, I mean like psychosis or psychotic features like bipolar, schizophrenia, and schizoaffective. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry I got cut off during that one because because I, I I do want to uh, explicate that a bit. Um, the first thing I would say is seek oh, help. Gotta explicate. Gotta explicate. <laughs> seek help from a therapist, <laughs> and th- ther- that that that's a wide umbrella, you know, therapy. So, uh, the the first thing that anybody is uh, quote unquote sent to by a doctor is a psychiatrist be very wary of psychiatrists because they tend to be very med happy um like they'll they'll prescribe you medication the first visit and medication can help i'm not saying i'm anti-medication but just it's so it can be so dangerous so like just just keep in the back of your mind that you gotta research the people and the things the people are giving to you. The other thing is, and this is not easy to do. Everything I've said to this point is not easy to do, but it, it doesn't get easier. You know, like eventually the, the typical way it goes is you see a psychiatrist and they decide whether the, whether to continue treatment with them or to then send you to a psychologist. I would say, uh, inadvertently because if you openly say this they probably won't do it but but work towards seeing a psychiatrist um and 
some psychiatrists or some psychologists seek a psychologist. Uh, some psychologists can prescribe medication. I don't know. I know this is the case in America. I don't know what it is elsewhere around the world, but in America, some can in some states and some cannot. Uh, but, you know, they write a letter to your doctor and get you the medication one way or another if they deem you need it. But, and this is something a lot of people outside the field don't know, but there are a bunch of different schools of thought in psychology. So, like, there's some that are super heavy on psychopharmacology, and there's some that are super heavy in humanistic psychology, which I, I like. Um, there are... I mean, there, there's a bunch of different different schools of thought, and I'm not entirely sure how you find out. You know, you might have to to interview the person beforehand, and depending on on how hot of a commodity this psychologist is, which nowadays it's a it's a booming field, uh, so it's hard. But you know, I, I guess to distill that all into a, a smaller package, I would say. Don't take these people on their authority, right? Because they're like any other kind of doctor. They can be full of bullshit. Like they can absolutely not know what they're talking about. So just use your judgment as best you can. And um, be wary of them. Be wary of them trying to make you not who you are. Because uh, I forget who said this, but, you know, being uh, being a, a lot of it has to do with with your environment. And uh, there there are and I'm getting kind of broad now for people in general, but there are these biological things with schizophrenia and, and bipolar disorder and, and so forth. Um but a lot of it is coping and a lot of it is who you surround yourself with and what you surround yourself with. And there are a million and one different ways to deal with that. And there are a lot of people that are going to make you not be who you are to, to deal with your illness. And that is not okay. So be an individual, cope the best you can and don't take the professionals as seriously as you want them to take you, I guess is, is, is one way of saying that, but, but also be receptive to help. Um, because there are a lot of people that do want to help you genuinely and uh, don't want to harm you along the way. So uh, just seek those people out and um, yeah. Love it. Love it. Dan, what do you got? Uh, other than Nietzsche, you bastard, <laughs> uh, are there other philosophers <laughs> that are more in line with libertarian anarchist ideals that you can think to uh, tell everyone to check out? Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot. And uh, also, there are a lot in psychology. Um, that I want to mention. Um, sometimes I get kind of, I get kind of teary talking about it because I, I got to mention this one book called, uh, Oh Lord. 
<laughs> it's called Man's Search for Meaning. Um, it was written by a guy named Viktor Frankl, who was a Jew in Austria. And uh, he was uh, he was given passage to immigrate to America, but refused to because his parents were not allowed to leave. So um, eventually he was sent to a concentration camp. He was sent to several. Uh, I, th I believe he ended at Auschwitz uh, before it was liberated. Um, and uh, man, he wrote this book uh, called Man's Search for Meaning. And I think it is woefully underread in our community, particularly of the people that, that value philosophical anarchism. Um, it's a short book. I mean, it, literally not even a hundred pages, or if it is, it's just over. And it, it is 100% at the top of my must read list. I cannot recommend that book enough. Um, I, I make a point of it to read at least every six months. It is, it is, it is incredible. Um, but uh, there are a ton of philosophers that I recommend. Uh, I know Bird has been doing his stuff with Pete uh, talking about uh, 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 Deleuze, Gil Deleuze. Uh, I've been kind of going down that rabbit hole mm -hmm. recently um, and I've found a ton of utility uh, with that. The same with Foucault, who I mentioned, excuse me, earlier. Uh, and I will say in preference yeah, Bert, to... you and Allie sent me down Foucault. Yeah, I, I will say as a preface to, to getting into these French philosophers, you know, they don't use the term capitalism like we do. And, and once you understand the, the, the language they're using, the different definitions, it, it kind of becomes clear. Like when they say capitalist, don't think of Rothbard, think of FDR. You know, that, that's what I say. Um, let's see. Fascism. Yeah, fascism, pretty much. Uh, let me think here. Uh, I guess that's it. You know, I like you said other than Nietzsche, but but as as a before you do Derrida or uh, Deleuze and Foucault, you, you kind of have to understand Nietzsche. So uh, and there's a ton of utility in understanding. I him. love Nietzsche. I oh, really yeah. do. That's why I said other than Nietzsche. <laughs> yeah, but like I mean, he for for a lot of kind of philosophical anarchist theory, you you got to understand you got to deal with Nietzsche first. And then Max Stirner, you know, he's super popular already. Not, not even really worth mentioning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, <laughs> like I, I, well, everybody talks about him, you know, so kind of like Nietzsche. Yeah. But like, you know, the only reason I mentioned Nietzsche is because you really need to deal with him before you deal with Derrida or uh, Deleuze and Foucault. I keep, I, I keep accidentally saying Derrida. Don't ever read Derrida. Screw him. He's horrible. <laughs> Um, 
I mean, he's the worst. He really is. He's hard. He's the guy. I keep saying this, like you know, Jordan Peterson talks about postmodernism, and every time he does, he's almost always talking about Derrida. And is Derrida he worse? Some, is he worse than Sartre? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Ooh, he is. Fuck. Derrida is like the the post Sartre, Sartre, like like Derrida came out Oof. of that tradition. <laughs> and uh it, it's just not great the other guy i wish the other i still guy, had fart pimpson as a as a name so that way i could do sart pimpson the other guy that everybody i i i believe that everybody should deal with and and i i use that term intentionally everybody should deal with martin heidegger at least once uh he wrote like a foundational book called being in time it's dense as hell it's hard to read and i you don't have to read the book but i think you should understand his ideas uh but you know as a as a cap off to this uh just read man's search for meaning that that book is invaluable awesome what do you got ben right. so Initially, my uh, my question for you kind of uh, you, you you somewhat already answered it. It was in relation to psychiatry versus psychology um, because I kind of I, I have this inherent issue with psychiatrists for the reason that you already outlined. They're they're very uh, pharmaceutically happy individuals from my experience. Yeah. So to not harp on that anymore, I'm gonna change it up a little bit oh, well, oh wait um, i can i can i can answer your second question but i can get more detailed into uh psychiatry because i have other stuff i did not say yeah i mean yeah. i'd i'd like to hear that because my you know my I, I don't know if it's an issue i'll call it my issue with psychiatrists from at least my experience or the experiences of people in my life is that you know I don't necessarily think that after sitting down with someone for an hour, you, you have the authority or the, the wherewithal to prescribe them some medication. And, and as you said, you know, a lot of the time this does happen at the end of your first visit or on your yeah. second visit. And that's, yeah. it's, it's disgusting to me because I, I too think that coping is a very, it, while it's a very difficult thing to do, it's very, very valuable. And, and even if you suck terribly at it, you got to find a way in, in some capacity to cope, whatever that may be. So I guess if, if you're willing to detail it more, my, my question is, you know, um, what's your thought on, on psychiatrists being very pharma happy um, and, and why that's detrimental to their patients potentially? Yeah. So a lot of people don't know the difference between psychologists and psychiatrists. The, the di it's, it's, it's a pretty simple difference. Uh, the difference is psychiatrists go to med school while psychologists just go to grad school. They don't, they don't go through all the, the med school stuff. So uh, a psychiatrist right. goes to, they are an MD when they graduate while I, while a psychi a psychologist is not. So they have that biological framework that they work from, which there is a place for. And I, I don't want to sound like I, I 
completely hate psychiatrists, there's definitely a place for them, especially when dealing with biological issues. Like if we did not have the field of psychiatry, we would, would not have progressed as far as we have in treatment of issues like uh, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder and, and the like. But um, the, the, a hell of a lot of psychologists are PhDs. So they have a degree in philosophy, very basically. Uh, There's some that have psych Ds, which is more applicable and more pragmatic. It like it's it's solely in the realm of uh, counseling, and and there there's a good argument why that's that's good. So typically, for psychologists that want to practice, they get a psych D, S Y, or P S Y dot D, and then um people that want to research psychology get a PhD. Um, so they have, but either, if, if you're a psychologist, you have that philosophical framework, you do a hell of a lot more talking, and you don't do anything after the first visit. That, that's, you don't do anything. The, the only thing you do after the first visit is plan for the second while a psychiatrist tends to move a bit quickly. Like I, I, I think of it like this, you know, in the, uh, in the doctor world, there are doctors that, uh, that, you know, most people see, and then there are surgeons, right? Like surgeons are like the football, like the jocks of the medical field. Like they're, they're super, uh, cocky and, uh, they, 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 I hate to say they make rash decisions because sometimes they have to, and that's good, you know, but they're, they're, they're a particular sort. Like a lot of people don't like surgeons, you know, in, in just day-to-day life. They're, they're kind of jerks. Uh, psychiatrists are like that in the field of psychology, you know, they're, they're kind of, uh, well, you get the point. So, um, that's why I particularly like psychology or psychologists because it's, it's, uh, they, they teach you things rather than come up with, with quick solutions. You know, they, they, they give you a toolbox that you can access at any time rather than a pill. You know, once you stop the pill, you, you, you're, you're kind of, you know, left out to dry. Um, so I, and, and, and that's, here's another way of thinking of it. Like psychology teaches you an ethical system that you can use to help you in your day-to-day life. Whereas psychiatry, psychiatry works under a higher time preference where it's, it's, quick solutions and uh (laughs) oh god time preference (laughs) and and sometimes that's called for but uh sure yeah all right well to to wrap up the the psychology questions um 
I, I kind of have a problem with psychiatry as a human who was diagnosed as a child with uh, ADHD and bipolar disorder and just uh, I, a whole fucking laundry list of things that were wrong with me. Um, I kind of, in, in my research, I, I found that humans have similar brain chemistry, but it's never the same. And, you know, there's no, there's no way to map, you know, the path of neurons in somebody's brain before you treat them. And everybody is different. So how can we prescribe an arbitrary amount of a synthetic substance and expect consistent results? And to piggyback off that, I mean, would it, would it be wise to spend a lot more time looking into things like psilocybin or DMT to help people with these issues, because I've had far better results with psilocybin than I ever did with lithium. And they didn't give me that option, you know, at the doctor. Yeah. And if they had, maybe, you know, I wouldn't have spent a decade on lithium holy fuck, man, <laughs> you know, so yeah. um, just to wrap this up, like, is psychiatry <laughs> a spook or are they just, they have good intentions, but bad execution? I have a bit on it. <laughs> I have a bit on all that. <laughs> well, um... uh, so. Go ahead. I go mean, ahead. my my whole thing is all, all of that can be natural, and a lot of that is like, uh, uh, not not to sound like you know, a a gym rat meathead, but you can totally work all of that out a lot. A lot of that could be done with just working out and just being active, or not not even necessarily going to a gym. You can just be active in your daily lifestyle. Do a garden or do something just do something to keep your brain active as well as maybe working out if you want to uh but also on top of that yeah psilocybin uh the natural remedies psilocybin hell even um poppies opium heroin i mean i know that sounds terrible nowadays but really heroin is just boiled poppies that's it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah you you're advocating the Heron Dam. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's your sweet ass I am. <laughs> so that's a uh, that's a soapbox of mine. Like Gonzo was right. You can't really nobody can know about the totality of the human mind. And because I it's it's uh it's cocky to think that we can and um and that's a lot of psychology at the current moment a, a lot of psychology is is uh finding quick fixes and um fix all techniques in addition to medication which it isn't bad in itself but there's an issue there so um I think that uh, the the issue is seeing people 
not as like a, but like, you know, when I mentioned Deleuze earlier, like Deleuze calls people a multiplicity. Not it's, it's not like a clear hierarchy of an X amount of things. You know, it's, it's a, it's an untotalitizing uh, framework of a million little things. So uh, it seems to me that a hell of a lot of psychiatry and a hell of a lot of psychology is an attempt to total, total, blah, totalize, I'll say that, uh, something that we don't understand. <laughs> uh, they're trying to totalize something that we just don't understand, and that's the human mind. So I think, uh, and that's part of the reason why I like Viktor Frankl so much, is because, like, his whole thing was trying to find like he comes from the existential psychology uh framework so like his whole thing is to it's all cope you know it's all coping mechanisms because you're not going to get rid of these things that hurt you and the best way you can the best thing you can do is try to find a way to live as best as you can in spite of horrible things happening to you. And I really like that message because it's not, it's not idealistic. It's very realistic. And I, you know, frankly, I blame, uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. I blame the government because, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, people get government <laughs> grants to do God, anything. God. <laughs> people get government grants to do anything you know on a recent episode we were <laughs> i'm sure it was very entertaining for the listeners we were we were watching videos of shrimps Shrimp running on a treadmill fuck yes you know i sent you that thing <laughs> oh. <laughs> so but i mean like i mean universities get grants for literally anything so I, and I, I think that has led uh, research down a very bad path. And um, I think that, and, and I'll leave it at this, I think that uh, psychology should, the end goal of psychology is to have a client not need the psychologist. So, and, and that's not what they're doing in practice. So uh, the, the goal is to teach, you know, being a psychology is part being teacher and um, to help rather than uh, just focus on quick fixes, which I've already said as far as uh, psychopharmacology goes. But uh, I think it's all about, about framework. You know, to, to wrap it back to the first discussion, I think it's all about ethics. Um, I think uh, you need to teach people how to live the best way that they can live while maximizing their future ability to live. And uh, I think, uh, and, and psychology does not do that. And I, I think that's where anarchist philosophy can better... Um, inform psychology and then in relation to that in more 
long-term practical measures, I think that psychology done right can inform uh, anarchist philosophy. Do you see any any place for uh, hallucinogens like psilocybin right, or right. LSD in, in to replace psychopharmacology? Man, um, like I know a bit about the brain. Uh, it, like I said before, it's impossible to know all about the brain, <laughs> <No>. but I, <laughs> I know a bit about it. And I got to be honest with you, I don't really know. I know a bit about DMT. I don't know how psilocybin affects the brain, but I do know one thing in regards to both. I know that they definitely seem to help. And That's been my I, experience, yes. Yeah, and I think it is. Um, in large doses, they can cause lesions, but other than that, <laughs> they are very good cures for depression and other sorts of, you know, uh, yeah. common and the, uh, mental disorders the longevity is there too people a lot of people report after uh ingesting psilocybin that they have they feel positive effects for three to six months after a single dose and to my knowledge there is not a synthetic drug on mm -hmm. the market that reports those kind of uh no yeah there's not so, so i've got kind of a the literally nothing without suicidal effects yeah, not I don't want to say the opposite of that, but I've got, uh, you know, personally, <clears throat> post psychedelics, I've experienced something of an existential crisis. And that existential crisis for me went on for it seemed like fucking eternity, but it, it was maybe a month or two of just me racking my brain about this idea of uh, it was kind of the idea of community in a sense, which we already detailed a bunch in the last episode, but how how are we all here doing the same thing simultaneously and no one's talking about it as a whole? And that sounds like a really dumb concept, but when I, I promise you, when you've tripped your ass off about it for 12 hours, it's it's some dense shit. Oh, so, no, it, I've actually it, done this a couple times, like where right. you do mushrooms and then uh, you, you do you normally do them with friends, at least in my experience, you do them with friends. But then once you do them and you go through the trip and you come down and everything, and then uh, you just I, I don't in my experience, I just kind of stopped hanging out with those friends for, you know, it wasn't, you know, a huge amount of time. But the time that I wasn't hanging out with them, it was just like uh, depressing. Um I just wasn't feeling like myself and I was just kind of down and it kind of felt like mushrooms was the only cure, but that's not a bad cure. That's uh, there's definitely yeah. worse cures. Like for instance, Prilosec yeah. or <laughs> uh, Zoflax, any of that shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> mushrooms are really the better cure. Well, you know, like, you talked about like having an existential crisis like uh or or that 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 post trip uh de depression so that's not necessarily a bad thing you know like one way of looking at that is you came to some sort of realization you may not know exactly what that realization is but it right. happened yes. so 
and and like the other thing here here's one thing like talking about Prilosec and these SSRIs uh and 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 this this circles back to something I kind of alluded to explain SSRIs uh select serotonin reuptake inhibitor so basically what it does is uh it manipulates your serotonin so your serotonin is kind of like dopamine where you know you get dopamine from like nicotine and uh, cocaine and coffee and um it, it's like a yeah yeah sex and it's it's like a in the moment happiness right but the problem with dopamine is it wears off incredibly qu quickly serotonin on the long term is the long-term happiness hormone or at least that's what uh people uh say in the literature right now um and what ssris do is all right so <laughs> what ssris do is they cut <laughs> off the amount of serotonin as uh neuron serotonin neurons can uh absorb which uh means you secrete more and you always have it ready so it makes you happier long-term happiness it, it makes that available but then the problem is when you get off of masturbating them, yeah, ma well, that that masturbation is is <laughs> dopamine, but uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but, Dan's got that dopamine overload. <laughs> so, Cooper. So, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, proud. Hello. <laughs> so, uh, it, what what it does is it makes you happy. Very basically, it makes you happier. It makes you feel content, right? Uh, but then the problem is when you get off of them, uh, you lose that contentment and you have the lasting effects. So it messes with your brain very basically. That was a bad explanation, but uh, so I thought it was pretty good. It, it, it kind of made me think of Jordan Peterson talking about Prozac and lobsters. Mm -hmm. uh, Got to be so, a top lobster. So Prozac. Oh, God. <laughs> I wish I could so, do Jordan Peterson as good as Kyle could. <laughs> uh, so so here's here's what I was getting at. I've had a couple of beers, so. Take your um, time, bud. <laughs> no kidding, huh? Only a couple? Yeah, only a couple. This isn't fucking amateur hour. Step it up. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So... <laughs> So like what, what what I was saying is SSRIs help you cope in the current moment, right? So you're working a shitty nine to five job. You're not doing anything fulfilling. SSRIs help you cope with that without making any changes. They zombify you, you mean? Yep, 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 exactly. They zombify you. While these hallucinogens, whether it be psilocybin, DMT, LSD, uh, they can, it seems... They can help you come to those realizations. Hey, I'm not doing anything fulfilling. You know, I'm screwing up here. So it, it, it helps you while SSRIs help you cope without making any changes. It seems like hallucinogens can help you realize the changes that you need to make. Yes. And uh, uh, the, it seems oh like. Oh, my God. Fucking love is, cotton. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like that that's the that's the utility. And and what I was gonna say earlier is I think it is reprehensible that people can't do research with it. Or if or if people do research with it, 
It's involuntary. Like I was listening to a podcast earlier about how the United States CIA was lacing French bread with LSD and no drove, an entire, drove, an, <laughs> drove an entire French town crazy just seeing what would happen. Oh, wait, you, one of the acid French bread? you ever seen men who stare at goats? Yes. Mm. Pump the brakes. I haven't, but I know about it, man. Where does one procure this bread? Oh, man, you have to, <laughs> yeah. absolutely have to watch that. That is a crazy movie, and it's based on a true story. Despite what anyone says, it's based on a true story. <laughs> yeah, the podcast was like the worst thing the CIA did was, the CIA did was stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. To close, <laughs> to, to close this topic out, I have a quote from one of my most favorite dead American heroes. Today, a young man on acid realized that all matter is merely energy condensed to a slow vibration, that we are all one consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. There is no such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. Mr. Bill Hicks said that, and it is it has stuck with me for 20 years since I first heard it. So it's we're going to my favorite quote of all time. <laughs> we're, we're going to go down the home stretch here. Cotton, there are four more questions for you in this gauntlet. And uh, they're, they're not based on any, you know, any topic. This is just free range fire at cotton. So Callie, start us off. Uh, what are some ways that psychology ties in and uh, philosophy tied into ethics? Oh, wow. Um, totally. Like, I think, I think you can't have, you cannot have ethics without psychology and philosophy. Um, and uh, by that, I mean, philosophy is a discipline and certain types of psychology because it all trickles down from philosophy um and 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 a big part of that is you can't have ethics without thinking you know and and that's sort of what philosophy is you know and and you can't have psychology without thinking and um so i think that uh you know even from people like from like uh, uh Deleuze and Foucault who were very esoteric and very um I don't know ethereal kind of just just like these weaving thoughts not necessarily like the, the hard to understand all the way from that to like Rothbard where it's very very logical and it's it's very hierarchical in structure you know you you it, it, it's a it's a clear line of uh explication so I think uh I think with with all of that uh taken into account i think that's where ethics can come from and also uh your environment you know the people around you your friends and family and community uh you you, you gotta take that into account too you know uh like if, if you're the guy that has chickens brews beer and has a well yet you don't participate in the farmer's market and you sit inside all day reading Deleuze you know, you're, you're not necessarily being very ethical in that, 
society. So sounds like a subtweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think it's, I think you got to take everything into consideration, and that's kind of daunting. But uh, man, life is daunting, you know. So true that. You you, you got to just think these things through, and and that's the only that's the only way to salvation, you know. You got to You got to be a conscious individual and not a not a follower. Do not be part of the flock. Ben, what do you got? All right. Um, so, uh, to preface this a little bit, I've been lurking and dissecting liberty for oh, I don't some time now. Um, and you you did an episode oh, not too shit, long that's ago. True. Uh, <laughs> speaking frankly with our dearest Gonzo huh. and the introduction to that episode kind of it it touched me in a weird way not like the priest used to yeah. um, <laughs> the scoutmaster said that was morale building that's right yeah no not quite like that <laughs> but you you, <laughs> you you said something in the introduction of that about how you know, the, the ANCAP theories and economics and, and a lot of the shit that kind of got you into all of this isn't necessarily ringing true anymore. Um, and I once I've read the essay, so I, I know you've clarified this for anyone who goes to listen to Speaking Frankly on Dissecting Liberty. There is an essay. Uh, but my, my question, I don't think, was quite detailed. So that rang real true with me. Um, and, and in your essay, you, you, you quoted, uh, you know, it, it's, it's trying to live perfectly in an imperfect world. High line. And I, I feel like a lot of the time this it, 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 existing in this community and trying to, to get the points across that we're trying to get across, we've talked about it is a lot like screaming into a void. So I, you know, that resided with me. I, I it, it resonated rather. Um, so if my, my question is if, you know, this is a, a mutual feeling amongst the community, because I know I identified with that in some way and you and Liberty Zero and Gonzo talked about it. Obviously you guys kind of agreed on some level. If this is a, a larger mutual feeling what do you think that means for the future of the liberty community or movement? Way to ask a lighthearted question, you asshole. Hey. <laughs> Everyone should off. read Heinlein. Read Heinlein right now or I'll kill you. Just I'll just uh, hug you very aggressively. What, what everybody should do is go get ringworm around your nipple <laughs> and uh, be a real libertarian. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I think, uh, man, the more and more I think about it, the more and more I am drawn to agorism, right? Because like the, the, the basic premise of that is leading by example. And I've always liked that idea. You know, that's, that's like a, I don't know, that's a meritocracy like in itself. And um, like, that's the only way to go. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I think part of the thing is like, I, I've said this in the past on Twitter. Um, like it might be time for a split, 
like ideologically. Like, I don't think that we can hold the same labels as like pragmatic libertarians because we are foundationally different. You know, we can't, we can't be in the same group as like the Gary Johnson's and the Joe Jorgensen's and the Nick Sarwark's and the, you know, so on and so forth. So uh, I think that might be part of it. Um, The other thing is, you know, just to be very practical, you know, do what you got to do to, to get out of a city, you know, like, I, it's, are you it's advocating yeah. an escape to autonomy, Cotton? Yeah. <laughs> this little known thing called escape to autonomy. Yeah. Heard of <laughs> but yeah, like, I can't see how, like, I think of somebody like <laughs> sitting in Chicago talking about gun rights and property rights and so on and so forth and i'm like yeah you're right you are right but you're living in chicago like you gotta get out you know solemn as a mayor is this (laughs) (laughs) i'll stop i'll I'll stop subtweeting ted when he comes back fucker (laughs) government where the fuck you at motherfucker (laughs) <laughs> but like I, <laughs> I think a big part of it is just practicing what you preach um like zero's been doing this lately like man he's he's working on getting chickens and he I'm has so a garden poor boy dude i know i know i he love makes him, me man. so he's, fucking he's doing proud great his uh, tall goofy ass that's right <laughs> did you know did you know that liberty zero is eight four I heard that. I heard that he towers yeah. over Kane. Eight yeah. four. He's eight four. Seven. What? He's eight four. That's right. That's yeah, big dude. fucking dude. Dick like a city you. boss. Would be hilarious too. if his wife was a midget. <laughs> Haven't you seen her PFP? She's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, Dan. What's your parting <laughs> question for Cotton Arcist? Oh. Bernie Boots here. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I will. I will claim IP. Bernie Boots hates IP. That is good to go. Uh, so my question is, um, what's your favorite cryptid? Nice softball question for you. Okay, y'all are drunk. You're drunk. Uh, I'm not. No, drunk. you. No, uh, I know. I, I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> I mean, I know I am, but what are you? <laughs> my, my favorite cryptid. Uh, <laughs> oh man, you know, I think the the normie answer is the road toad, so I'm not going to say that. Um, uh, I'm going to say my yeah. favorite cryptid is the Jersey Devil because he torments bird and. Uh, or as, as, or as, as a certain someone called it, the Jersey Teufel. So, uh, yeah. Is it the spindly legs? It's the spindly legs. It's the spindly, spindly legs fucking legs. That's right. <laughs> Inside jokes. All right, Cotton. Last question. <laughs> and i i'm not going to dox you too much but suffice it to say that 
Cotton is a man in his early 20s. So in the last 10 years, which would take us back to 2010, which would put you at about the age of, I don't know, puberty. In that time, what has has affected your your outlook the most because i i everybody has a journey and sometimes on twitter you see the stupid thing where they post the political compass and they scribble on it and say okay so well i went from you know here to here and this is how i did it uh kind of that question but without gay because i talked to you this summer in your episode 45 and and you were shifting then so we're you know several months later and i i I know that you said that agorism is becoming more attractive to you and whatnot but what are the three events that landed you here okay uh yeah so it all started in 2018 um when i have somebody in my life that was very connected in this community a bit in a very broad sense uh he came to me and said hey you know they're having the uh in 2018 the libertarian party convention was in new orleans and he said hey you know the they're doing this thing in new orleans you want to you want to come and check it out and i i i I already identified as a libertarian although i i didn't know about anarcho-capitalism and all that like i was kind of a milk toast libertarian type mm-hmm. uh like cato institute type and and he said yeah come to this thing uh, what what he uh eventually brought me to was the mises event in new orleans and um he was throwing these names at me that i'd never heard before he was like oh man you're gonna love it uh, Scott Horton's going to be there. Tom Woods is going to be there. Bob Murphy's going to be there. Dave Smith is going to be there. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know who any of these people are. So he sent me uh, some Tom Woods and he sent me some Dave Smith in particular. And uh, I still remember the first Tom Woods episode I listened to. It was with the philosopher. Uh, oh, I forget. Yeah. And uh, I don't know what episode number that is, but you can find it. So, um, so we go there. We walk into the room. She's pretty much Yeah. So we walk into the room and Scott Horton is speaking. The Scott Horton. And I remember just walking in and like the minute we like sign in and everything, like we're all right, let's find a place to sit. And that's when I really am starting to pay attention to what this guy's saying. And I'm like, holy crap, this is amazing, you know? And uh, and then Bob Murphy speaks, and I'm like, wow, this is great. And then I forget the man's name, uh, the guy that does the 10th, uh, 10th Amendment Center. Um, yeah. He speaks. Dave Smith could not make it. This was when his wife was pregnant. So, you know, understandably, he could not make it. Uh, and, and this guy, I forget his name, the 10th Amendment Center. Um, he speaks in place of Dave Smith emceeing the event and he was great. I remember he was just, he blew me away. And then the keynote speaker was Tom Woods. And I remember Tom Woods just knocking it out the water. And I, I always consider that the moment when it all started, 
and then yep that's right and then at the very end guess who sent in a video he could not make it but he sent in ron paul the ron paul sent in a video and i remember listening to that and it just solidified everything so um and that was in 2018 and it was after that 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 was like the event it was after that little things started to happen like the mises institute entered my radar I bought Four New Liberty by Rothbard, which was like the first uh, anarchist book I ever read. And um, late 2019, uh, about a year ago, I started to get a bit active on this little website called Twitter. What? What, I know. What's the URL on that? (laughs) Never heard of it before. And I started discovering all this stuff. Like first, the the first thing I I got into that I discovered on Twitter was the Friends Against Government. Fancast. Um, that's right. And uh, but then slowly and surely I, I started meeting all these people, and it was great. And then eventually I tweeted, you know, I've, I've been looking for an outlet. You know, I'd, I'd had all these ideas and feelings and I, I just needed an outlet so I, I tweeted hey is anybody interested in starting a podcast so uh this person named i forget what he was named at the time but the person that would become liberty zero messaged me like hey yeah i'll start a podcast and uh <laughs> i i am incredibly proud of uh what we have been doing since then with the podcast so that's the second event and I'm incredibly happy that I have uh, uh, that friendship between me and Zero has blossomed. And I'm incredibly happy that through that, uh, I've met a ton of people. And that comes to the third thing, uh, which happened not that long after starting the podcast. Um, I, I forget how I found it initially. But uh, I became aware of this app, this little-known app called Discord. And uh, I know, and it might have been through Burning Boots. Or no, I'm sorry. It might have been through uh, Dissecting Liberty. Oh, God. It might have been through Biting the Bullet. (laughs) I think it was through Biting the Bullet that I discovered this little-known podcast called biting the or god damn it get your shit straight son (laughs) (laughs) all right all right all right right. that's right i'm tripping on words uh i just okay i think it was through biting the bullet that i discovered this little known podcast called burning boots degenerate florida boys that's right and i joined their discord and that is really when the podcasting stuff was after meeting them that the podcasting stuff hit a fever pitch and particularly meeting Derek. So uh, leading me where I am um, today. So would you say that Burning Boots owns Liberty Discord? No, that's gay. But, gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess my three events are in particular discovering Tom Woods. Because that was like, I remember when I first discovered him, I, I listened to every episode every day. And that's what really kicked it all off. And from him, 
you know, little tertiary things like discovering the Mises Institute and reading Rothbard and all that other stuff and reading economics in one lesson. That was the first economics book I ever read. And then after that, it was joining Twitter and finding uh, the in-group. The Cool Kids that, Club. The Cool Kids Club, that's right. And uh, after that, I guess it was meeting Derek because uh, we, we've been doing a lot of good stuff. I, I've heard I've heard the some king. rumors on the wind of interesting stuff, but I'm not at liberty to talk about it. When, when's this episode coming out? This episode will come out on Tuesday. It will. I, I fucking love that guy. Tuesday night. <laughs> this okay. Drop. Yeah, yeah. The 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 newest Cotton and Derek show will have come out by them. I said I'm a patron of Dissecting Liberty, which you all should totally listen to. Yes, please. So that's how I know that the episode has already come out. I I have been with Dissecting Liberty since episode two. If you you don't listen to them, you're wrong. So listen to them. (laughs) Um, You're retarded. Literally. Literally. (laughs) Cotton, I want you to not just give me your cotton plugs. Give me your podcast. Give me your website. I mean, give me the last four of your social. Let's let's the really, whole dick and balls. Yeah, the whole <laughs> package. Cotton so I I, I want cotton at at Cotton Arcist. I want all three no, I got and a half of he our has no, I got to be Fart able to it. find you. So got Fart, Fart's it got it. He's got it. I got this. Are you going to talk Cotton out? Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Cotton can be found at Marcus, where he posts funny quips and metrosexual dudes in turtlenecks. <laughs> he can also be found on Dissecting Liberty. Right? That's Dissecting Liberty. Uh, where he makes your brain feel engorged as you, uh, maybe on information, perhaps. Like but, but uh, as you may have gotten the taste of today, uh, there's also the Derek and Cotton show, which you the Cotton will and Derek show get a taste of if you get the fucking order right. Oh, I'm sorry, I got that. <laughs> <Fucking> embarrassing. <laughs> Man, I'm fucking up the plugs. <laughs> uh, if this isn't kept, I'm gonna be so it's pissed. It's really just you want to let out some excess <laughs> pressure in your brain from after listening to Dissecting Liberty. You can let off some excess pressure in your brain to uh, listen to Cotton and Derek show, and um, you can also uh, catch him at the Anarcho hyphen. You the only Anarcho hyphen that you need, which is Anarcho Psychology at anarchopsychology.com with no hyphen. So make sure right. you forget to leave out the hyphen. Yeah. <laughs> is, is there anything like, else? It's anarchopsychology about? with no hyphen. No, that's it. That's it. No, that's now. it. It's just anarchopsychology. All right, Cotton. <laughs> I would like to thank you. I swear you. to God, if you all put the hyphen in there, <laughs> put the hyphen in there one time. I'm so mad. Fucking do it. I swear to God. <laughs> fucking do it. <laughs> on behalf of Escape to Autonomy, Cotton, I would like to thank you for coming on our podcast. You can find us, the podcast, at Escape 
to autonomy and that's that's everywhere if you want to email us do that at proton mail if you want to find us on twitter escape to autonomy instagram reddit all that bullshit that's where you find us i have been your host i am gonzo 01201 on twitter dan uh you can find me on Cotton. twitter at space Laudy. That is at S P A C E L A W D Y. I'm sorry, Alex. did you say that was cotton? <laughs> Holy cotton fuck. <laughs> is there a hyphen? No, see, now people are going to think Dan's way smarter than he is. Thanks, Cotton. I swear to, I swear to God, if y'all type in space hyphen Laudie, I swear to God, <laughs> fucking do it. Fucking do it. Callie, who are you? I'm Callie underscore TH Kitty on Twitter. And I'm Ben. Uh, You can find me at BigShoot762 on Twitter. Uh, I'm BigShoots all across Discord. Uh, Yes. Speaking of which, join our Discord channel and join Dissecting Liberties Discord channel because it is popping the fuck off. And with that, I would like to thank you for listening. We will see you next week.